Good morning, ACAC. It is such a blessing and a pleasure to be here before you today sharing God's word. But you know what? The greatest blessing I've, I've experienced um, during these services is our worship. I just want you, could you do me a favor? Could we just give our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a clap offering for coming here and being here with us? Because he's truly God with us. And what a blessing. He didn't leave us as orphans, but he's right here with us. And if you're in Christ, he's right here within you. So it's my blessing to serve as uh, ACAC Refugee Chaplain Ministry. My family and I have been here for 25 years, give or take. Um, And it's also a blessing to serve uh, at one of the places that ACAC actually co-planted, which is Northside Christian Health Center. So how many of you know that we have planted a health center that serves the most vulnerable people who are not insured, and we do so in the name and love of Jesus Christ, and we administer care with prayer. So I just thank God for all that he's done through this church family, ACAC. So folks, today um, I'm going to be sharing from the story of Hagar as found in Genesis 16. And praying God will use this story to open our eyes concerning how he sees us and how he sees others. We will read the story today through Hagar's eyes. Often this story is told through the eyes of Abram, through the eyes of Sarah. But today we're going to read it through the eyes of Hagar. And perhaps see the story from a new perspective, from the other perspective. But first, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love and your care for us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come, to guide, to direct this time. As you've guided and directed our worship, would you guide and direct our hearts? Father, we pray that you will do those things that only you can do. Help me to share your word such that each person will hear what you need them to hear the way you need them to hear it. Open the eyes of our individual hearts and corporate heart to see those who feel so unseen and to hear those who feel so unheard. Lord God, would you release the captives, the captives, Lord God, that the enemy has just ensnared. Would you use us as your vessels Lord God, to bring glory and honor to yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Family, have there been times in your life that you've questioned whether or not God sees you? I mean, not the you that you put on as you, but the real you. Does God really see you? Or have you questioned whether his plans are the best plans for you? I confess there have been times when I have questioned God. There have been times when I've questioned whether his choices or his ways were the best for me. I'm going to share a low-intensity example of that. There's some high-intensity examples, but I'm going to share a low-intensity example of that. But it still touches my heart. It's still part of my heart, part of my journey. One of my earliest 
memories that I have had was as a four or five-year-old, and I had the desire and memory, I'm going to grow up and be a missionary. I'm going to be a medical missionary so that I can heal all the sick people in the world for free. Now, I believe I had that thought, that heart, because I grew up with a lot of older people, and we were going back and forth into the hospital. So I wanted to grow up so I could be a medical missionary and heal all the people for free. Now, I wasn't even saved, (laughs) but I knew there was a God. And when I found that God and I got saved, I continued on that journey. And so I was in college and doing really well in college. And about the beginning of my third year of college, I had a really significant blow. My dad, my number one champion in terms of all things academic, suddenly passed away. And I'll never forget, I was on a Greyhound bus going from the greater Pittsburgh area back to Philadelphia area and just just praying and praying. And by the time I got home, my dad was gone. So I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. So that was a big blow for me. In the same semester, I had that dream, right? I'm going to be a medical missionary. God himself closed every single door for me in terms of international work. But at the same time, he started to open a door for me. It was a big old wide open door. I did not want to go. I was so mad at him. And you know, you can be mad at God. He knows your heart anyway. So you might as well be honest, right? So I was like, I took my finger and I was like, Papa, you know I don't want to do this. And you know what the, this I didn't want to do? I did not want to be a psychologist. I did not. I, did, I didn't want to go to graduate school. I wanted to go to the mission field. I was like, look, you want people to be sent, right? I'm like, here am I, send me. And he's like, I am, I'm sending you to graduate school. And I was like, I don't want to go. But anyway, um, I, at the same time, I was like, okay, I'm going, but you're paying for every dime of it. And, uh, and you know what our great, magnificent God did? He paid for every dime of it. I was literally paid to go to graduate school. I was literally paid to get this doctorate degree because I was in God's will as he saw fit for me to be in God's will. He needs people who can integrate his love, his care, his kindness, his word in every field. And when we follow him, we get to hear what he's saying about us and we get to see how he sees us. So this is the story we're going to follow today. It's it's the story of Hagar. But have you had a season in your life when you felt like God didn't quite see you in the way you wanted him to see you? God's plan for you was a little bit different, or maybe a lot different, than your plan for yourself. If so, this story is for you. If not, this story is still for you, because this is the story I have for you today. (laughs) So, So let's turn to the story of Hagar in Genesis 16. The way um, we're formatting this, I'm going to be reading from the passage and then commenting and reflecting, reading and commenting and reflecting. I need you to know we're going to be reading today from the easy to read version of the Bible by the Bible League. And we're reading from the easy to read version today because it's an English as a second language learner Bible. Um, So the language is at a third and fourth grade level. And guess who else uses this Bible? the global people that we serve. So I want you to have that experience today. All right, so let's go to the top of Genesis 16, starting from verse 1. 
Sarai was Abram's wife, but she did not have any children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai told Abram, the Lord has not allowed me to have children. So sleep with my slave. Maybe she can have a son and I will accept him as my own. Abram did what Sarah said. So after living 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai gave her Egyptian slave to Abram as a second wife. Abram slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. When Hagar realized this, she became very proud and began to feel that she was better than Sarai, her owner. Then Sarai said to Abram, my slave girl now hates me and I blame you for this. I gave her to you and she became pregnant. Then she began to feel that she is better than I am. I want the Lord to judge which of us is right. But Abram said to Sarah, she's your slave. You can do anything you want to her. So Sarai was cruel to Hagar, and Hagar ran away. Folks, when I read this, this is such a messed up story, such a messed up situation. I see Hagar as being used, abused, objectified. Are there times in your life when you have felt abused, misused, objectified? Times when your image of God, humanity, is seemingly invisible to others. In full transparency, I am really going to take Hagar's situation. I'm going to look at this through Hagar's eyes. I'm going to step into Hagar's shoes. And so in some, in some other situations, I'm on Sarah. I take Sarah's, but you're going to hear Hagar <laughs> as, as I move forward in this. From my perspective of what Sarah seemed like in Hagar's shoes, she was an entitled rich woman who wanted her own way, and she was going to get her way no matter what. In verse 2, she clearly states that she believed that it was who? The Lord who had not allowed her to have children. Yet, she was going to have a child and override God anyway. Like Burger King, she wanted to have it her way. Same verse. Sarai initiated this idea to Abram, sleep with my slave. But by verse 5, tells Abram, I blame you. You're responsible for this. Abram, and I have, some, I have some words for Abram too, but he's our patriarch. I'm not going to go to with it <laughs> in the way I did with Sarai. But um, Abram considered Hagar a wife in verse 3. It says his wife, but by verse 6, shrugged the responsibility and called his own wife, though she was the second wife, Sarai's slave. That's messed up. Hagar had become completely objectified by Sarai and Abram. To objectify is to treat a person like an object, like a thing. In doing so, you dismiss that person's humanity. In doing so, you make that person an object for your use. Sarai's and Abram's objective was clear. Have a baby. But Hagar's humanity in the midst of that situation was invisible to them. They didn't see a young girl made in the image of God. Most scholars estimate that Hagar was between mid-teens, mid-teens, she was just a girl, to mid-twenties, right? But they want this little girl, from my standpoint, I got old kids now, I mean, kids in their 30s, so she's like a little girl to me. 
They didn't, they wanted her to marry a man that was not just her father's age, not just her grandfather, a great grandfather's age. That is messed up. They saw her as a vehicle for their own purposes. To Sarah, she was no longer just a trusted handmaid, but a vehicle to have a baby. To Abram, she was a way to probably, and this is Kathy, right? This is a Kathy insertion, a way to shut up his complaining wife and perhaps reimagine his more youthful physical days, his glory days. But I won't go there. (laughs) Worse yet, the baby she carried would eventually go to Sarai. The baby would not belong to her, but would belong to them. No wonder once she got pregnant, she looked at Sarah with contempt and disdain, probably because the only thing she had left was her pride. Have you ever felt used and abused like that? Maybe not to the extreme that Hagar was. Has your image that was in the image of God, humanity, seemingly made invisible by someone. We're going to continue the story. So Sarai was cruel to Hagar and Hagar ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring of water in the desert. The spring was by the road to shore. Please know if you have been hurt, if you have been abused, if you have been misused, God pursues the brokenhearted. The word of God says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering candle he will not snuff out. So the God that loves you is the God that will pursue you and will be with you in the midst of all the challenges, the setbacks, the oppression that the world brings. Hagar runs away. The text states in verse six, she was running away from Sarai. It is not a stretch to believe, though, she was running back to her home in Egypt. So all through this text, you see the Egyptian slave girl or the Egyptian servant or the Egyptian. uh, So she was from Egypt. Many scholars believe that Abram and Sarah purchased Hagar in Egypt while traveling there, as noted in Genesis 12. She had every right to run away from Sarai, who was abusive, and Abram, who was indirectly abusive and neglectful. It's understandable to want to run away when hard things happen. And there are times when it's okay to run away, and there are times when you need to run away and cry out for help. Now, this is going to be a public service announcement. I have my other hat on, too, in the midst of this in Christ hat that we have. So I have my little psychologist hat on, and I have my minister hat on. We're going to talk a little bit about abusive relationships. If you are in an abusive relationship, you don't need to return to that abuser. Your life may depend on you finding a safe place and other protection. If you, so I need you to hear me now. I need you to hear my heart. You need to hear God's heart in this situation. If you are in an abusive relationship, please consider talking to one of our pastors. Please consider talking to a counselor from the Christian Counselors Collab or some other counseling entity, your healthcare professional. Talk to somebody about what's going on with you. If you don't want to talk to someone face-to-face, you can call a national hotline, 988, to talk to somebody who doesn't know you, who won't know your business and all that. You can text this hotline, and you can also go on the hotline um, online. If you are in an actively physically abusive situation, please call 911, law enforcement, 
consider a PFA or protection from abuse order and or protective safe housing, your life may depend on it. And let me tell you, it is not God's will that you die like that. It is not God's will that you are abused like that. If you know of anyone in an abusive relationship, please encourage them to do the above. A matter of fact, and better yet, please walk them through it. Let them know God sees them, God loves them, God cares for them. Will you be God's heart in that situation? Would you walk them through that difficult place? Let them know that they are greatly loved by God. Back to the text. Little did Hagar know that as she ran away from Sarai, God was running after her. People, God loves you. He knows your every situation. Luke 12 tells us that he knows the number of hairs on your head or lack thereof. God's eyes are on you. He is lovingly pursuing you because he loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Reading on, the angel said, Hagar, Sarai's slave girl, why are you here and where are you going? Hagar said, I'm running away from Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Sarai is your owner. Go home to her and obey her. The angel of the Lord also said, from you will come many people, too many people to count. Then the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, you are now pregnant and you will have a son. You will name him Ishmael because the Lord has heard that you were treated badly. Ishmael will be wild and free like a wild donkey. He will be against everyone and everyone will be against him. He will move from place to place and camp near his brothers. Wow. What an amazing encounter with God Hagar had. The angel of the Lord, a representative of his personal presence found throughout the Old Testament, perhaps even a pre-incarnational appearance of Jesus Christ himself. God calls Hagar by name. Up to this point in the story, no one's calling her by name except for the narrator. Abram's not calling her by name. Sarai's not calling her by name. But God calls her by name and he's calling you by name. He expresses care about her journey. Where have you come from? Where are you going? God tells her to go back to Sarai and submit to her. Such submission would not be a sign of weakness, but a show of God's strength working in her. God's plan was bigger than Sarah's plan and bigger than Hagar's plan for herself. This is another public service announcement note, but from an Old Testament historical text. In Old Testament times, a pregnant young woman out alone in the desert, wandering between Canaan and Egypt would have no protection, no safety, no resources. She was in a perilous situation. She and her baby needed the protection of Abram and Sarai, as well as their resources. Out in that desert alone, who was going to help her deliver that baby? Who was going to help her? So in this context, in this situation, God had made preparation and God had made a place for Sarai, I'm sorry, a place for Hagar in the midst of Sarai's 
and Abram's home. And a very sort of interesting twist of things, Abram and Sarai were God's needed provision for Hagar and Ishmael. God gives her a promise of multiple people coming from her. She would have, she's going to birth a nation. God names her son Ishmael, literally meaning God hears. When you are in need, God hears. When you are in need, God is making a way for you. Read in continuing this text, the Lord talked to Hagar. She began to use a new name for God. She said to him, you are God who sees me. She said this because she thought, I see that even in this place, God sees me and cares for me. So the well there was called Bera Lahai Roy. It is between Kadesh and Barat. Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, and Abram named the son Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born from Hagar. Wow, what amazing. This is amazing, people. Hagar names God, God who sees me. God allows an Egyptian slave girl, a person at the bottom of the power chain, to name him. That, that's absolutely unbelievable. How many of you know somebody that's named God and God received that name? She now believes and understands, and this is what I need for you to believe and understand. Even in this place, God sees me and God cares for me. I'm wondering how many of you here, whether you're here physically or online, I'm wondering how many of you are in a this place, a place of brokenness, a place of despair, a place of oppression, a place of hopelessness. Perhaps some of you are even feeling like giving up. I want you to know today and every day moving forward that the God who loved Hagar is the God who loves you. Please know that God is not finished with you yet. The God who saw Hagar is the God who sees you. The God who moved on Hagar is the God who will move on your behalf. You need to know this in your heart and in your spirit, and you need to rebuke every lying spirit that says otherwise. Hagar realized that while she might feel invisible to others, God sees her. In all the vastness and seeming infinite complexity of God's creation, he chooses a slave girl to set his eyes on. How much more will he choose you who are in Christ to set his eyes on? People of God, we have been given a responsibility by him to let everybody know that God sees them. This is our responsibility. I want you to look at those seats beside you. And I want you to look at those seats and say, this is not a seat, this is a soul. Because these seats should be filled with people who need God. This place is a hospital. This place is not just a church, it's a hospital where God can come and move through and in us to heal souls on his behalf. So what kind of ministry are we given here, ACAC? We are given a ministry of seeing our other neighbors. In the same way God saw Hagar, we are given a ministry to see others. So I'm just going to summarize a couple of key points here and make application to our lives. 
God sees you. Before you talk about or even think about ministering to anybody else, you've got to get that in your heart, in your spirit, that God sees you and is every bit compassionate about of you as he is about Hagar. He was so in tune with our experience of sin and suffering that he sent his son to stand in and suffer for us on the cross because he saw us and he loved us. God has given us the ministry of seeing people who feel invisible in our city and in our world. One group are new immigrants, new people, new neighbors, refugees, newcomers to our very neighborhoods. Another group is another group of neighbors that I want to talk about, but first the refugee group. So we have bunches of bunches of information concerning refugees um, from all over the world. I'm just going to turn to this uh, one slide here. So the UNHCR stands for the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees. And these are some global stats. All throughout the world, there are displaced people. Not all of these 89.3 million are refugees, but they're displaced people. They're displaced for so many different reasons. Um, of those 89.3 million, 27.1 million are refugees. And refugees have a very different status. Refugees are uh, literally fleeing for their lives. They're here among us because they can't go back home. Whether it's because of war or some sort of genocide or whatever, they are here among us because they can't go back home. So God has a special heart for those people who can't go back home. And I think that God has given us and blessed us to to also have a special heart for refugees and immigrants. And so I want the next slide, which shows us some of the ministry that we have here at ACAC, but also ministry that we share in terms of welcoming resources. It's not just ACAC, but other churches, Alliance churches, non-Alliance churches, mission groups, other faith-based organizations that love to welcome other people groups love to welcome the strangers among us. Matthew 25 tells us, Jesus in his own words, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. And so one of the ways that we welcome people in and show them the love of God is through refugee ministry, which includes things like training other groups, training other churches, uh, welcoming uh, families, individual families, but then we have these large group ways of welcoming people. We offer English as a second language, citizenship exam prep, and all sorts of other things to let people know we love them. Most of these people are from the 1040 window. They're not hearing about Jesus in their own countries, but we have the wonderful opportunity in Christ to share this with them, to share him, to share his love, to share his kindness and his compassion. The other group that I would like to talk about just briefly is the others here that are often in a difficult, difficult place. They're marginalized. They may be homeless. They may be forgotten in so many other ways. Pastor Allen just mentioned just last week, three people lost their lives right here in our neighborhood, lost their lives. And we're, it's almost like we're getting so used to this. You know, look at these stats. These are the stats that we have to live with. And some of us, day in and day out, we live with this. The leading cause of death among U.S. children. These aren't refugee children. These are U.S. children. Leading cause of death is unintentional accidents. But number two, homicide. Our own kids, homicide. 
leading cause of death. And that's not just black kids. Black kids, homicide is the number one cause of death. Number three cause of death is suicide. How can that be? That's why I said, these aren't seats, these are souls. People need to hear about the love of Christ and not just hear about it. They need to see it in and through you, in and through me. So family, and there's all sorts of other mental health information up here. Anxiety is like skyrocketing. Depression is skyrocketing. I mean, we could talk about this all day and all night. My concluding point is this. When we see people the way God sees people, not as a number or a nuisance, but as a name and a neighbor, this opens the door for us to share the reason for our hope with them. This opens up the door for us to love on them in the name of Jesus Christ, with his love and with ours. I conclude with a prayer. My prayer for all of us is this. God, give us eyes wide open to know that you see us and love us. Help us to see our new and other neighbors like we've never seen them before. With eyes wide open, full of love and compassion, full of the glory that you meant for it to be with. And for all the sake of your son, Jesus, for his sake, for his glory, and in his name, we pray. Amen. Well, praise God for that powerful, life-changing message. Uh, Dr. Kathy, Missions Month would not be the same without you sharing that message. So thank you. Would you all stand with me for the benediction? This week, as you go, may this message stay with you and continue to stir in your heart that you are fully seen, cared for, and loved by God. And out of the overflow of that, would you just be given the gift in the ministry of seeing other people and letting them know that God sees them and because he loves them and cares for them. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. In Jesus' name, amen.